Hey everybody, welcome back. It's another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. And we are the Photog Adventurers. 2016 is almost over, and we use this entire year to get out there and get our photography portfolios built. We love astrophotography and landscape photography, and so we've been focusing there. As we have day jobs and family life, the easiest to get out to was astrophotography. So 2016 was a huge year of astrophotography. Check it out. Go to our YouTube channel. Go to our Instagram or Facebook or on Twitter. You can find us or just look in one place for everything at our website at photogadventures.com. On today's episode, we're going to focus on some locations that we went to scout out. So these are places that we didn't actually really know a whole lot about we just kind of saw something on a map or an article or something was like hey go check that out one one location though garsman pass i had been to i just didn't know yeah i'd been there a couple times but i didn't go to the place that we went to so the spot there the spot there yeah okay yeah so garsman pass has um it's just a road and overlook but there's still lots of terrain around the area so it's it's there's lots of stuff there. Oh yeah, lots of places to explore. Still, probably endless possibilities of what we could shoot. Yeah, so it's it's pretty awesome. So we got to definitely go there more often since it's just up the road from me. Now we're going to kind of grade these locations on basically yes or no. Do we want to go back? Does it have any why? merit for photography later? And right, like was it worth going? Do we want to go back? Some of these like Strawberry Pinnacles was pretty far out there. And uh, and even Francis Peak was pretty much a tr- you know pretty much pretty far drive for us. So um, we're going to start off with Francis Peak, then we're going to go to Strawberry Pinnacles, and then last Garsman Pass, and we'll talk a little bit about e- about each one. And uh, we'll start off with Francis Peak. Yeah, we weren't sure if we get any p- pictures here. We thought we would just go to experience it. So it's not exactly a photog adventure as much as it is just a location scouting opportunity. Yeah. So what I saw when I was driving home from Logan area through Kaysville and I look up to the tall mountain there on the left of me as I'm heading home and I see this little tiny white building on top mm-hmm. and I'm like is that an observatory is it a radar station like what is that thing so when I got home I opened up Google Earth and I navigated to that spot and then sure enough there was like a road like I mapped it and it said you it take 45 minutes to drive up there I was like what yeah it road goes all stra- the way a road up. goes straight to the top <laughs> And so I was like, wow, this is way fascinating. So I wonder, you know, and as, as I was Google searching that, once I saw the name on the map, then I could Google search Francis Peak, and then I started seeing pictures. And there's actually some astrophotography Milky Way shots from up there. So I thought, wow, this actually could be a cool place to go check out. So I dragged Aaron along. We drove up there, and it was in the in middle of August. Yeah, we're thinking, no, no, that was July, the beginning of July. It was in July? Yeah, that's why we were so ill-prepared. We've never been more ill-prepared because it's the beginning of July, the very first week. It was summertime. And we get up to the very top. Was it just sheer wind chill? Well, there was, there was, it was already 45 degrees at the top. (laughs) So, I mean, we were high. This mountain was really tall. It's so awesome that it had a road all the way to the top. It It had a dirt road all the way to the top, but it was freezing, which is why no one else was there. Um... (laughs) July, 45 degrees, and it was windy. So I think with the wind chill, it was actually like freezing temperatures. It was pretty insane. Oh, it was incredible. We get out of the car, and I'm starting to go to the trunk where I know that I have packed clothes at one time here and out, in and out, in and out. And you know how your trunk sometimes gets a, an extra coat or a hoodie that's still back there. So I right. started scavenging the car, hoping to find something warmer than what I was wearing because it was crazy. 
crazy cold. I think I just had like my windbreaker and like a a little beanie that I had on my head, and that was about it. And maybe I might have had my thin gloves on me by chance, but we were not prepared for that to be out there that long in that cold cold environment. Oh uh, so. no! But we had an awesome view of the city. The moon was really big and it was starting to set. Oh yeah, it was one of those crazy thin crescents. Yeah, that were almost upside down and just like a smiling face as it was heading. To and the so we could see it really well from where we were, and it started to go behind some clouds a little bit. Then it came past the clouds. We could really see it setting. So we tried to get some good pictures of that, but it's really hard. We're not prepared to get good moon pictures from that vantage point. Yeah, and as far as the Milky Way goes. You can pick it out of the terrain to the left of the light bloom of Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. but right close to it or above it is impossible. And we ended up having a mostly vertical Milky Way that was in it instead of being outside of it. Had we been there earlier in the year, we have a chance to capture these long arching Milky Way that's in the distance where it is not very light polluted. You would see the bloom of Salt Lake on the right, but you would get a, a clear area for there to be a Milky Way. Right, because we'd be, we'd be focusing away from the light, yep. and that's why we'd get a good, a better Milky Way. So the other thing about it was that it was a quick drive off the freeway. Other than the Google Earth fail that gave us, the Google Maps fail that gave us a pathway up and around Lagoon, when all we had to do was just come off the freeway and go straight. Oh, yeah, that do was Do you remember weird. that? Yeah, we wake, <laughs> wasted 10 minutes driving around the town when we could have just gone straight through the... Yeah, that was weird. It told us to go around Lagoon's front, up a main street, then turning on their their State Street, which in Utah, most of the north to south main streets are called State Street. It's just one long, continuous road through the whole state. This street goes through the whole city and pulls us right back out to a road that we just pulled off of. And we didn't know that until we came back home. We're like, wait a minute, this is just one road. Why <laughs> did right we go there. all the way around that thing? <laughs> it's weird. So yeah. we wasted time there. So we realized, okay... It's not as hard to get to as we thought. It's very quick <laughs> off the freeway. You go up the dirt road. It's a little bit of, uh, I don't know if it was boring or just complicated. Let's see, how do I say it? Going up the dirt road was just monotonous. A lot yeah. of curving, a lot of making sure you don't go to the edge. Dirt road that's nice and graded, but it's bumpy in places. And so it's just not a fun drive. Maybe it wasn't so fun because it was dark. We didn't have anything to see. Yeah. I think in the daylight, it would be a lot more spectacular. I, I do want to do that. Kind of like um, Kolob Canyon. Oh, yeah. We had no idea <laughs> we how had cool no idea it was how cool until was. the next day. <laughs> so we've got a vote for, would we go back to Francis Peak? Now, specifically, would you go back, yes or no? And then we'll talk about why. I think Yes. I say yes too, but only if we go during the day and get yeah, set up early. That's what I was. That's what I was saying too. Let's go during the day. Maybe we can capture a cool sunset with the city, and then um, wait for the Milky Way to rise earlier, and maybe go earlier in the summer. Or I don't know. I don't know what the temperature is going to be like up there. It's probably I'm bringing be full cold. jacket and gloves and beanie this time. Yeah. And why I would go back? Because I would also go back. Why I would go back is just for astrophotography. The sunset over the city could be a pretty cool look, but I don't know if it'd be a photog- a shot that would join my portfolio. Yeah, I certainly could have one portfolio piece that is a vista that ends up having nothing in the foreground because I don't think there's anything up there for an interesting Well, there foreground. was that really cool radio building. You think for landscape photography or just for astrophotography, having that for a foreground? Well, 
either one, maybe. I mean, I guess maybe. Yeah. If you're, yeah, if you're, if you're on the east side of it and you're getting that and you're, as your foreground, it could be really cool. So when, there's some things to play around with. Up there. And in the daylight, we'll have a chance to see how cool it is mm-hmm. looking. And maybe it's okay. Mm-hmm. So I would go back for astrophotography mostly. And I'm really curious about getting that big, bright bloom on the right and then capturing the Milky Way over there on the left. Mm-hmm. But an early season Milky Way, one that's almost got the full arc in frame. So if I do a panorama of the area, oh. I can then do a panorama at night. Mm-hmm. This is one thing I haven't tried yet. It's compositing two panoramas at different times of day. I have done single shots at different times of day, but I never tried to do a panorama where I make sure I mark off my heading and say, okay, at 35, 40, 50, and then come back and do that again in the night. Yeah, because I just saw a picture of some guy did that at Yosemite, and oh, it was really? amazing. Oh, I've got to try that. It was, it, I mean, and he, and he blended it from so it went from daylight to night oh, in one shot. So it was, from left to right or right to left. It was really pretty. I've seen really a couple cool. of those, and yeah. the best way for those to come off is if you've got an obvious sky of stars or Milky Way mm-hmm. on one side. Mm-hmm. I saw another one where he just had clouds, and the clouds looking, they ended up looking just like darker clouds on the right and not nighttime mm. clouds. So... Yes, we'll go back there, but only in the beginning of the year. It's going to be even colder, actually, if we go any time before July. But we should go before July and check it out, astrophotography, and go there during the day. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, maybe we can go the end of May or something. I'm Let's up check, for it. Try that out. All right, Might cool. snow showing up there. <laughs> <laughs> As Shrucky James says, next. Okay, so the next place we're going to talk about is Strawberry Pinnacles. So this is an interesting area that Aaron had... Have you been there before? I hadn't been, hadn't there. been there before. Just that I it. had seen, I don't know if it was a picture or I saw the word Strawberry Pinnacles first. Oh, I think it might have been Royce's picture. He had a picture of him driving through it. Is that the picture that he That's showed us? That's not that location, Oh, no. it's a different spot. Okay. I'm not exactly sure where I first came across it. I think it was just looking for dark sky locations in that area, and I think it was, oh. a, I think it was a Panoramio moment on Google Earth where I ended up coming across those pictures okay. there. So it's like this big canyon area. Um, with these big tall walls, and then and then like erosion just kind of broke through, a two of these, a couple of these big sections, and then so there's these giant pinnacle just s- shooting nowhere. straight up, and then there's a big drop, and there's a canyon wall that goes on for like a couple miles next to it. So oh yeah, it's um it's an interesting spot, and and in the middle of that pinnacle where the the, the road goes through, there's like a little um park slash campground in of some sort i mean it's yeah so it's interesting little area um we could just pull up and walk around there freely it was at night when we went so it's another place we might have to go to in the daytime and do some more location scouting yeah really any of these locations that you're scouting we should have made it in the day but as you said we're trying to do this after day jobs and family life right which makes it difficult to yeah (laughs) we scout in the dark so the Pinnacles were pretty interesting. They have the out of nowhere you drive through them. They had a lot of promise, so we couldn't wait to get out there. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about what it was like when we finally got ourselves out there. Okay. So welcome back, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about Strawberry Pinnacles, the second location that we scouted. And as Brendan was saying, these pinnacles, they come out of nowhere, the big long cliff walls, and we weren't sure what to expect or how we were going to organize our position for getting the Milky Way. Now, we didn't want a Milky Way shot this night. We went out there for the Perseid meteor shower. 
That's the opposite side of the Milky Way arch in the sky over closer to the Perseus constellation. Mm -hmm. And we were going to capture all of the radiant and hopefully pinnacles. We wanted to see big, tall, vertical pinnacles and then swiping away from that lots of meteors. Yeah, so it's interesting to think what we envision in our minds. And when we go out to a place, it's so much more difficult to, to be in the right place that you envision in your mind and then for the environment to work out. I mean, you really... I think a lot of landscape photographers go out multiple times to the same location because you, have to. you never actually get what you envisioned the first time. It's You're really, really lucky if you do. Right, and no matter how well you're using Google Earth and checking out the location, you can't get in your head enough what it's going to mean for your frame. Mm-hmm. When we saw that, I was picturing something that was going to cut into my frame only about halfway and have lots of night sky. When we get there... The vertical cliff walls are so, so high tall. <laughs> before they even show the pinnacle, you know, because the mm-hmm. pinnacle blends in with the terrain up until a certain point. Mm-hmm. And so when we had to frame that pinnacle and maybe put it on the top third, you end up with no ground. I thought we would see ground and pinnacles. No, nah, it was pretty much half of the pinnacles and up into the sky or half the sky and all the pinnacles going to the ground. One other thing you can't predict is the human factor. So we went to this place that had <laughs> some kind factors. of inn slash campground mini cabin kind of set up. And there was like a family re- family reunion or something going on. And you got to understand, we left, at, we left Heber about 1 o'clock. So we got there at 3 a.m. Right. And so this is middle of the night, too early for people to wake up yet and too late to have people still awake. And yet every five minutes, somebody was coming to the bathroom or something. There's an automatic light that kept setting off. And there was, and these lights were so bright, they was actually (laughs) lighting up the canyon walls. And so we, I did a time lapse after just getting skunked with the clouds. I'm like, you know what? The clouds are moving. Let's just, I'll just get a time lapse and at least we can have some movement. And you will see the walls flickering. It's almost like we did it on purpose to flicker on the wall. Yeah. It looks like almost like a red light from your camera or like a camera flash or something just weird that's just constantly off and on off and on and it was the entire night it was incredibly annoying because that light would flicker on when someone arrived and then you'd hear them leave it would stay on for minutes forever (laughs) it's like does it need to have a 10 minute timer to turn off again and just when it would finally turn off again someone else would show up and we're like what are these people doing it's 3 a.m it's yeah, it's, oh my gosh. We couldn't hear them. It's not like they were out there having fun and doing something. It was a silent person walking from some campground, some tent, some camper, going to this bathroom that lit up the entire field that we were standing in, and it was just the worst. I think maybe it was just a lost zombie. Lost zombies like, yeah. back and forth. And they kept Doesn't going back and go. forth. There was a gate between us and that bathroom, luckily. Yeah. That must have been it. We didn't have to there's go no other crowbar and walking it. dead on it. <laughs> So the question is, do we want to go back to this place? Wow, this is a tougher one because I think I liked the rock. I mean, we were at night, so I couldn't tell the Mm -hmm. coloring of the rock and how cool it was. But when we first got there, as we went through the pinnacles and stayed on the side that I wanted to be of the pinnacles and have the Milky Way potentially underneath or over the pinnacles, it doesn't fit. We, it's a very tight space. You're up against the cliff wall on that right mm. side. So the only sp- place that we actually found some room to work with and get our cameras in position to put both milk, both pinnacles in a nice photographic position, it was kind of limiting on what options we had. And so yeah, because le- there's a field there that we got next to, but 
beyond that field was like a river and then a ton of trees. Oh, yeah. And so there wasn't like a whole lot of leeway. There's no clearing for us to put our cameras down except for right, right there. And right. Like if we want a different angle, we don't have the option to do it. Maybe, uh, let me say that I'm going to say yes because if we go back during the day, maybe even earlier morning and capture a sunrise and then hike the area, maybe That's there's something, something yeah. on the left side or the north side of it that we can go hike to to get up on the ridge. That's something, too. Maybe there's a trail that we didn't see and we can maybe explore. There's got to be something, right? Yeah, yeah. And so then why would you go back? What would you focus on? Ash photography, landscape photography? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I like the area in general, even though it was pitch black for most of it, but... Um, I can tell from the silhouettes of the rock formations that it looked like an interesting place. So I think it would be fun to go back during the day and maybe just plan to just to camp out there maybe. You know, just plan on staying there overnight and yeah. seeing what happens. Use the bathroom at 3 a.m. And, and mess with someone else. Yeah, sure. And we can also get the drone out. That would probably be a really cool drone shot because you got the river on one side of the the two pinnacles and oh, then looking yeah. straight down at them and pulling over and having them change in perspective and then go flying around that. That could be a really cool drone area. Yeah, that could be. That could be a lot of fun. In fact, we should probably go there with the drone just to scout out where we should start yeah. our hiking. Yeah. Okay. Not I'm a bad in. idea. Yeah, let's try it. Winter, summer, maybe even winter, if we can get through that pathway. It was a dirt path. And it was pretty great and say, nice. I would say probably summer. It would be tougher in the winter. Yeah. Because we don't know the area. I don't trust areas. I don't, only, you know, the dirt road only kind of areas in the wintertime. That's fair. That's yeah. smart. We don't have the vehicles for that yet. 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 All right. So then let's go to our last one, which you were the most familiar with already. And like you said, it's just in your backyard practically. Yeah. So, so Guardsman Pass is an area in the Wasatch Front that is just past, um, well, it's near. It's between Brighton and Park City. So, if you're familiar with that area, you're gonna know what Garzman Pass is. And a lot of people go there for the moonrise, especially the super moon. There was like a hundred plus people there. It's such a perfect place to just drive up if you're not a good camper or hiker, and you just go right up. To yeah, it. you just drive right up there. The overlook has a place where you can park your car right on the edge, and you just can you can hike for five minutes or less, or you can just go right outside your car and walk out to the edge of the cliff and just watch the moon rise from there. So the blood moon that was last year, 2016 um, harvest moon, and the blood moon from the summer uh, were both really great Oh, yeah, you went there for the lunar that. eclipse. Yeah. Yeah, so lunar eclipse, the blood moon happened there, and then the harvest moon was really big. I took my family up there to go see that a couple months ago, and I got a really cool picture of that which I posted on Instagram, and it turned out pretty well. And the area is really cool. It's easy to get to. So we had fun. You know, it's easy to drive from my place up there. It's all paved um, for the most part. As beautiful as Utah's desert is, one of the things that Utah doesn't have a ton of, except in the northern parts of Utah, are rolling hills that are green. Mm -hmm. Greenery that rolls with hills and up there on Guardsman Pass, you look out over several foothills and then distant hills, and it gives you that effect of a Tuscan rolling hill rolling hill that's green. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know. I It's only half an hour from my place, so I need to go there a lot more since it's easy to get to and just do some more trails and more hikes. I know there's campgrounds around there. There's a little lake on one side you can go down to, which I didn't even know about until this year. 
And my girls really wanted to check that out. We saw people walking back with bathing suits. We're like, what are they coming from? (laughs) And so we just, they're like, I'm like, is there a lake down there? Like, oh yeah, it's just five minutes that way. They grossly underestimated. It's more like 15 minutes. With little kids, it's more like 20 minutes. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's an interesting area and there's lots of big pine trees. You know, you've got water, you've got snow-capped mountains, you've got all these things. You've got sunrise possibilities, sunset possibilities on both sides. It's a really sweet location, so. If you've ever been to Park City or seen pictures of Park City, then you kind of know the area we're talking about because we are just south of Park City looking at the mountain ridges that the Park City Valley is on and hugging on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so this is an awesome area. The snow-capped mountains on top of those rolling hills and then getting some of those lakes in there, it was we flew the drone in this trip, and it was my favorite footage of the drone when it comes to filming us. We've had really cool drone footage of the terrain, but we had me driving the car and Brennan's following me with the drone, and it was some really sweet footage. Until it crashed. <laughs> hey, it wasn't my fault. I kept encouraging him to follow us. I'm like, hey, Brendan, just come on. Just get in the car, and we'll drive together, and you can be behind the car with the drone, and it could be a really sweet shot. Do that. Yeah, and it sounds really awesome in your mind <laughs> until you sure actually did. start doing it, and then you realize that we're going up a hill, and the drone doesn't really like to fly up the hills very smoothly. It wants to crash into the hill instead of going Along the hill. It so. was acting so erratic. It was crazy. And you're saying why it actually was erratic. But to us, when we're sitting there driving, we kept having the drone drop next to the car in the, in the, in the lane that the it oncoming It felt like they were trying to dive go. bomb the car. It felt like it just kind of yeah. dive bomb it. It was trying to kill us or kill an oncoming vehicle because it kept dumping itself down about five feet from the ground or five yards from the ground. It was crazy. And I think, the, and I think that's what happened. I think the incline threw it off. So we have the DJI Inspire that we use. The DJI Inspire 2 just came out, and I saw in their marketing material that it will go along the incline. It adjusts for it. It should adjust does automatically. Does it have a topographical map in te- in, inside that it recognizes it's going no, across? No, what, what it does is it actually has, I think they might have added the 3D sensing um, oh. things to it, and those actually kind of like a sonar. So it'll actually project out and get a signal back saying the ground is right there, and it'll actually keep going along with the ground. So it's, it's part of its avoidance system. That's cool. To put more clear idea in your mind of what we're talking about is this hill that we're driving along was lower where we started with the drone. So where Brendan launched from and oriented the drone, it recognized its elevation and its location. And then we drive around this corner and curve a little bit up the hill as it followed me. And when Brendan was controlling it outside of the tree line and outside of the road, it was pretty easy to control. But when we started driving on the road with it just behind us, it got to the point where it was wanting to turn return home. It had gone too far away from home, what it considered home was way back there at the beginning of that road. And because that pathway had gone, it had elevated to a certain height. It thought it had a nice beeline, straight flight mm. towards home. But instead, if you drew a straight line from where it was and where it wanted to go, it was going to tunnel its way through the side of a mountain. Yeah, there's a big rock face in the way. <laughs> So in an effort to quickly try to avoid the rocks, I jumped on the controls, and then they've changed the interface where it's a lot more difficult to cancel the return to home. Which is so dumb. And when you're driving in a car and trying to get out and like, wait, 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 and you're not in control of your environment, it's super hard to do all those things at once. And so the drone just ended up 
just crashing to the oh, side. I felt so dumb sitting in the, in the driver's seat thinking, I convinced him to do this, and now I'm watching his drone just kamikaze itself into the mountain, and I thought, oh, no, it's my fault. Yeah, <laughs> so it kind of was. But it, it was. You know, the only thing that bad that really happened was the blades got broken up a little bit, and that was about it, really. Yeah, which is awesome about the DJI Inspire is that that thing's it's a, a tough, tank. It's a tough guy. Um, the one of the gear, one of the landing gears did kind of. The, there's a really flimsy part of the plastic where it screws in mm. to the arm, but other than that, I could just tape that up and it's still fine. So, and the good thing is I've flown it two or three more times since then, and it seems to be just fine. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it have any problems like that. Yeah, so it was great. So I have lost one camera in the past due to a Ooh, crash. Yeah, those cameras aren't cheap. <laughs> I can imagine. It was $550 to replace that camera when I broke it the first time. Ouch. I was not happy about that. Among having snow-capped mountains, green rolling hills, and easy access with paved, paved roads right up to right. it, we've also got wildflowers galore in the area, and that's what we're talking about exploring more, is going off that trail and hiking around and finding just that perfect meadow, that perfect location for a and shot. And we saw a couple and their parents walking, like they're going to do like wedding yeah, maybe like some, maybe engagement pictures or yeah, something. Yeah, I think so. And they were they went down a they they were gone. I mean, they went for a hike to find <laughs> this place they're going to, and she obviously knew where she was going. So I'm like, we need to follow that trail further oh, yeah, because maybe exactly there's this really cool opening and meadow area. Maybe that's where she was going. So we've definitely got to explore that area some more. There's definitely some possibilities. Oh there. yeah. This night we went out was a sunset photog adventure. We were focusing on capturing a sunset. Mm -hmm. And we were facing the east, and you've got a high mountain range blocking a lot of the sunset. And so you don't get that very, very last moment of the sunset. But what we do get is a really great golden hour light coming across. Mm -hmm. That one day, I particularly had a bad experience with, with my camera because I was using that stupid Chinese tripod because oh. I didn't have... I had brought mine, but I decided to try yours out. Oh, my and little I, skinny, the little cheap one that I bought. Yeah. yeah, and I also, it was my first night with the Tamron 15 to 30 millimeter lens. That was huge. So I bought this little carbon fiber, you know, little small carbon fiber um, tripod from someone locally on the classifieds. And I wanted to give it a shot, but Aaron wanted to try it out. I wanted a ball head. and so Because the ball head was on there. And so... Yeah, this is kind of weird. So it's a little <laughs> it too small. I, I, I think I'm going to have it for my for my daughter later on with her regular camera to fit on there. Oh, yeah. For those things, it would be great, but, but not for, for what I was setup, trying to do. But for a big setup, it's not adequate. Ah, it was frustrating. So I couldn't trust it to sit in most positions. And so where Brendan went down into the side of the hill and got himself in a position to look out at other mountains and nice composition shot, I had to... Get creative and think, you know what, what can I gather from this part? I can only stay near this trail. I only have this limited stuff for a foreground. So mm -hmm. I ended up taking one of my favorite sunset bokeh shots where I had the sunset entirely in out of focus. And I focused closely on a wildflower stalk that had all these different flowers pointing different directions. Mm -hmm. And it was looking... Someone told me that that flower is what people say is the last flower of summer or something basically when the last bud blooms and then dies that is signaling the end of summer typically oh okay they and said it was pretty late in the summer we went so yeah it would make sense that that had a few more weeks left like almost like a bloom a week mm -hmm. and it had what like 12 13 more to go on that stock 
that's mm. in my shot. And so it's an interesting flower. So I'm, I'm curious about that. I can't remember the name of it, but I really liked the shot. I think it turned out really well. And I, I think it turned out really well. And I saw your shot recently because you got it around to finally processing that one. And that mm-hmm. one was great. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, they turned out better than I, than I expected, actually. It was one of those nights where we didn't have a ton of clouds in the sky, so mm-hmm. it was a blue sunset, which is not as awesome, but you yeah. made something out of it. Yeah, there were the few clouds that were in the sky, I was able to get some of them and made it, make it work, yeah. So then Guardsman Pass, you've already said that you would go back. Well, why would you go back? Multiple reasons, I, I mean, guess. yeah, it's so convenient. There's so much to that place that we still have a, a lot to explore. And it's such easy access. It's not so easy in the wintertime. I was just going to ask you that. Dang. They don't plow that road. It's a paved road, but they don't plow it during the wintertime. So unless you have, like, really good snow tires or chains. Can we get to a certain point and pop off on an ATV and then take off up there? Because that would be fun. We could. I mean, my wife and I did, when we first got our wagon, we did actually take that road. That was not, that was just snow. You drove on it? Yeah. But we didn't know it wasn't maintained until we got on there. And then we got to like the point of no return. We just kept going. And then it turned into a pure dirt road on the other side going towards Park City. So by the time we entered Park City, we were we had mud flinging all over the car. We were just a dirty mess. We're just rolling down Park City with this super muddy You're Mercedes nuts. wagon. But it worked. I mean, it got us across. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> that was our Sunday drive that, that day. It was pretty crazy. Night and day as it took you forever probably yeah this is before children so we could actually have the luxury of just driving around park city and going back home and no big deal <laughs> right yeah. so i would definitely go back there i want another chance at a sunset but mm-hmm. i want to go for a sunrise i want to hike up one of those tall peaks to the right or left of guardsman pass where you park and get a sunrise up there i don't know exactly what my foreground element would be but there's an opportunity for wildflower sunrise, which I'd be so happy about. I've been there for sunrise before. I took some friends a few years ago. Yeah. And there is some, um, I think it's a lift or something near a lift terminal where you can actually climb up the top of this thing. So you could actually get some cool rustic, rusty lift terminal or some, I don't remember what it was, but it was some kind of like catwalk you could walk up on top and get even higher and then see. So I've got this really big panorama Vista that I got when I had my Sony A200 from years ago. I got a panoramic shot of that. And it's not that exciting of a shot, but you can see how big the Vista is. I mean, it's just hills and mountains for miles. So it's really pretty. Awesome. So in summary of everything that we went through, we location scouted Francis Peak, Strawberry Pinnacles, and Guardsman Pass. Francis Peak very easy access, crazy high up and cold, mm-hmm. but it's perfect for an opportunity of maybe a sunset shot of the valley, of an mm-hmm. urban crawl development area, as well as astrophotography early in the year. See if we can capture a cool Milky Way next to the bright lights of Salt Lake City to really bring out how awesome this terrain is that we live in. Then there's Strawberry Pinnacles, which I think is more of a hiking adventure. We're going to go back. Both of us definitely want to go back. Hiking adventure, see what we can find. There's probably a hidden gem in that area. I'm sure there is, yeah. I mean, yeah, 100% sure. There's something that we can really love about it, and it's a quick drive. It's not an easy access like the other places where you do have to go on a dirt road, and it's going to be further, mm-hmm. but it's fairly easy access. It's not like something we have to hike miles and miles and miles. Yeah, that's something we can easily plan an overnight for because yeah. it's quite a drive out there, and it's pretty remote, so if we just plan on staying there, 
with a you know tent sleeping out or whatever overnight, then it should be fine. Yeah, and I think the last place, Garsman Pass, let's make a commitment in 2017 that if we ever meet at your house for something, we should take a couple hour drive to Garsman Pass and just constantly go out there and learn that area because there's yeah. so much out there we could probably enjoy. Yeah, I think so. Awesome. Okay, so that was our first episode of all the places that we have scouted this year. We kind of combined all of them in one so that it would be more interesting. These places have videos attached to them that you will be seeing on our YouTube channel. Let's go ahead and take our last break, and we'll come back and do gear time and tip of the week. Hey guys, welcome to Gear Time. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, 2X and 1.4X doublers. So these are teleconverters. What they do is they take your camera lens focal length and double it or 1.4 times it. So depending on which size you get. So the one we're going to talk about today specifically that I have, that I have experience with is uh, Tamron slash Kenco. They look exactly the same. Um, doubler, it's a 2X Teleplus 300, Pro 300. So they've got a newer version than the one I have. The one I got was from um, eBay. It was an older version. I got it for a lot cheaper, almost half price of what oh, they're wow. normally going for, about 140 bucks is a normal price. I think I got mine for about 80 And 140 sounds like a lot until you look at the Canon ones. The Canon ones go for three, four, or $500. <laughs> and there's different model versions too. There's, like a, there's a 1, a Mark II, and a Mark III. For different ones, and of course, the Mark III is going to give you better performance, but it's like $700. Yeah, you're going to pay $700 to get your pictures less sharp. The Mark III is really sharp. That's why that's, that's why they keep making better versions. It is actually really sharp. So it teleconverts and it stays sharp. Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so the cheaper ones, you know, you're kind of taking a little bit of a risk because you might not get the quality, but you're going to get that 2x reach. So what I did is I used this for the Supermoon when I had 100 millimeter only. And I wanted to make it 200 millimeter. I popped this guy on the back of the lens and then popped this thing onto the camera. So it goes between the camera and the lens. And it doubles your length without compromising your light. So you actually do get the same f-stop still. So that's what's nice is that doesn't really you don't really lose an f-stop with this. So the optics in here are pretty good. Good enough nice. to let the light still come in nice and bright. So, um, so the reason I got this one specifically is because the Canon... And the Sigma versions extend past the threading or the bayonet mount. And so you can't just use any lens. You have to use a lens that actually allows for that gap. This one I got specifically because it's flat and I can use any lens on this thing. So it doesn't matter if it's a 50 millimeter, an 85, 100, or a 24. It'll double anything I have. Mm-hmm. The downside to one that I have specifically is it's an older version, and for some reason, the autofocus and electronics just doesn't translate through for some reason. So they've got newer versions on Amazon, Kenco one. Um, I'm going to have to buy a newer one soon. This year, I'm definitely going to buy a newer one so I can try it out because I like to have the autofocus working. But for things like um, the Supermoon and stuff like that where I'm just manually focusing anyways, yeah, it's fine. Now, another another caveat, another downside of this is that um, especially with the 100 millimeter macro Canon lens, it has very short focus. There's not a lot of room. So when you got 2x and you're doubling that, you're just you're making tiny little micro focus adjustments, and you're and you lost it. It's crazy sensitive. So 
with the autofocus not working and you've got to manually do it, <laughs> you're just, you're turning like fingernail lengths, you know what I mean? To get something just right in focus. <laughs> so it's a little crazy. So that's the nice thing is you can turn your f-stop up a little bit and get that a better, you know, a better clarity. But, um, but if you're wide open at 2.8, man, it's like super, super crazy touchy. So when you're using this, you've got to be aware that the focus is going to be almost twice as sensitive, basically. So anytime you double your length, you're going to double like your sensitivity on certain things. So other than that, I mean, they're really well created. They got metal all around it. Both mounts are metal. It's got really nice, um, durable plastic and rubber grip around the side. And even the old one that I got for cheap uh, really is really well constructed. The glass looks really clear and clean. And and uh, so having an updated version of these, I know Photodiox, Photodiox makes one. And Kenco, I think, is a brand that is, is the newer version of the one I have. And I've even seen like Vivitar and other brands that are out there. So there's a 1.4X and a 2X. So depending on what your needs are, I just go for the straight two just because... I'm not even sure why they make a 1.4. I just, I don't know. It's only like one, almost one and a half. You're only getting 40% more of your reach with the 1.4. And maybe that's fine for specific needs, but I've always just gone for the straight two. Just simple, simplifies things, I guess. It's easier <laughs> to do the math. <laughs> so My problem is, is that I look at this and I think that the sharpness of zooming in on an animal I want to go to 200 millimeter, 300 millimeter, 400 millimeters, five, 600 millimeter that I got, like the max. And then I put this on there to double it to really get insanely zoomed in on them. But I worry that I'm forcing it to come out crazy lacking in sharpness. Have you experienced with this when you're on the full zoom that you lose sharpness on your subject and you need you to know, like ramp it back? If anything, because this is an older model, and that's why I want to get a newer one, is that the it's more of the chromatic aberration that I've noticed. Mm, starts separating a little bit. Yeah, um, you get a lot of that blue and gr- or that green and red fringe on the side of things. So I did, I did put it on and take a picture of like a dragonfly was up in my high branch in the tree in front of my yard. Okay. And I didn't quite fill the frame with a dragonfly, but it was probably at least half filled. And so he's pretty good close up on the subject, but his wings and his body, I could see there's there's quite a bit of chromatic aberration. More more than what Lightroom would be able to clean up on its own. So you do have to deal with that, but I'm I'm guessing that's mostly because these are older optics. So I'm that's why I'm excited to try a newer version. I know with the Canon ones, you're gonna have a lot cleaner image, but it's gonna cost you seven times as much and it's going to only work with certain lenses. So in closing, I just wanna say um I recommend those if you really wanna double your lenses without Without spending a whole lot of more money to get like a 200 millimeter f2 or something like that, getting a prime. So if you've already got like a hundred macro like I do, and you want to extend the macro reach to more of a zoom, this is like the cheapest way to go. Other than getting a new lens, this is 150 bucks. You know, new lens is going to cost you like two grand. You know? And I'm so. really curious how it compares with the Canon teleconverter. I know we can rent those and rent the 70 to 200 and use that and do a little comparison test. It'd be fun mm-hmm. to try out. Yeah, the 70 to 200 will take the Canon teleconverter and this. So it would be interesting to do a side-by-side comparison. You can do a gear time with Brendan video. Let's do that. So yeah, I would like to do the newer version of this. This one I don't think is adequate. So Cool. When you get that in, let's go for it. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, this week on the tip of the week, I want to talk about the experience I had in Guardsman Pass. And I didn't know about this until I was taking this picture and I came back to process it. And we're all familiar with something that's just too dark. You blow out your blacks. There's just no getting that detail back. You've blown it out. Or with your whites, it's just too bright. The luminance is way too high. And so we pay attention to our, our histogram and we look at that histogram and make sure that we haven't blown anything out or we have the... Um, oh, what are they called? The, the blinkies. We have the blinkies going on in our camera to say, oh, this is a blown out section and make sure the blown out sections are as small as possible and you know where you're okay with it happening. Mm. I didn't know I could blow out a color. I had oh. no idea I could blow out a color. And in this picture that I have from Garsman Pass, there's a very pink, red, purple flower right in the foreground. And because there's so much of it, Canon does really great with the green spectrum. We can have really green, true green colors if I was in a mossy Oregon area. Mm -hmm. But what it doesn't do very well with is the color red. It's not that it doesn't capture it perfectly. It's just you can blow out your reds. And so you, when you blow out yeah. your reds, you get this blob that when you go in, in the Lightroom and try and post-process it, you can't fix the detail on the flower. So I had a really close, nicely focused petal. But there are parts of the petal that no matter what I did, I couldn't get any detail back. Oh, yeah, and yeah. so I ended up having to keep it a little soft on purpose just so that the, the blown out red wasn't obvious. If I mm. made it nice and sharp and looking crisp, you could see where it gets muddy. And there's like this mm. red soup in parts of the petal that just it wasn't very attractive. So I looked into that and I was trying to figure out what I did wrong. And there's a histogram on your camera that you all probably have that's set for the luminance histogram that tells you from blacks to whites and how the camera's handling. You can also change your info over to show the color histogram, mm -hmm. and that'll give you a readout of red, green, and blue and show you where you're peaking on the red, green, or blue. In that picture, if I had checked my color histogram, I would have seen that I had peaked on my red. And what you do is the same way you avoid peaking on whites and blacks is that you bring your saturation down, your composition, your exposure down, and you do a little bit of bracketing for it. So where I thought I had a great singular shot, I could have bracketed it down to bring some detail back in the reds and focus that. You can change saturation on your camera itself to bring it down and sometimes bring the red colors to be a little bit less saturated so that it can decompensate for how bright it was going to be because how red this flower was. And mm. your trees in the... Um, colors of fall video when you look at the fall color shot over the valley and you see all those red trees your initial processing was a lot more muddy mm -hmm. because you did blow out the reds and all those trees but when you brought it back you could see it a lot less but there's still just a little bit and so i did turn the saturation down a lot on that picture. in order to save those reds mm -hmm. and you were able to because you probably didn't blow them out in the original exposure you mm -hmm. had a, just enough detail there. So if you're finding that your reds are blowing out and you're in a situation where you have a giant red flower in most of your frame, make sure you double check your color histogram and don't blow it out. Nice. Sweet tip. So thanks, guys, for coming along with this, another Photog adventure. As you probably heard, we have a new song for our intro and outro. We're glad to William for his feedback, and we are using it, excited for 2017. Mm -hmm. We've got one more podcast that is going to be audio only, but pay attention to our last podcast of the year. It will be a video and audio podcast where we talk about all the gear we purchased this year from GoPros to tripods. We're going to talk about everything that we have and talk about what are the pros and cons. We're going to try and make that episode very snappy where I bring up an article, a gear, 
where I bring up a piece of gear and say, blah, 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 blah. This is what it is. This is the pro. Here's the con, blah, blah, blah. Then Brendan picks up his, mm. and we go back and forth. Do, 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 do. And we're going to talk about everything that we like about this gear and the gear that we're looking to sell again because, you know what, we didn't really need it. The mm. gear that just didn't end up being as useful as we thought originally. So hope you can learn from that. We'll end the year with our podcast next week and our other podcast that'll be the gear podcast end of the year 2016 it's over 2016 is almost done yeah one week left we're excited for 2017 we're hope that you guys will keep with us keep listening if you have any feedback for us go to our website photogadventures.com William posted there, it is unsettling as you post on our comments board is that we are moderating every comment and so it doesn't show up after you post it. It makes you think that maybe you didn't post it or that maybe we'll never see it. Don't worry, we see every single comment that comes through there. Give us feedback. We'll take your constructive criticism and resolve whatever we need or add whatever you'd like to see. Thanks a lot for following us, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Have a good week.